Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Hey Jeff, would you let a complete stranger stay in your house for 50 bucks? 50? I do it for way less. Love it. Today's show, we're talking about Airbnb, an online marketplace for lodging, tourism, and experiences. Yeah, so as Jeff mentioned, Airbnb is just another two-sided marketplace. I feel like this is like company number four or five or product number four or five. That's a two-sided marketplace. These are extremely popular business models for companies that are launching um, in today's world. So uh, I think most of our audience is going to know what Airbnb is, so I'm going to get right to the point. <laughs> uh, as Jeff mentioned, it's essentially a marketplace for wary travelers and not so wary travelers. Uh, Airbnb offers the ability for people with extra space to rent out rooms or entire houses and vacation rentals uh, to travelers. So if you look at Airbnb's business model, they charge service fees for letting people participate in this online marketplace. So for guests, it's usually anywhere from zero to 15% or less. And hosts um, are roughly charged three percent, three percent for for payment processing. Airbnb has a suite of products um, outside of the re- rental properties as well, um, like Airbnb experiences. We can actually get um, a deep dive into the local area. So if you're in, in Hawaii, maybe it's you're going to go snorkeling with uh, the local um, with the locals. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. Do you feel like Airbnb is meant to be a cheaper alternative or do you think it's meant to be more luxurious or like what do you think is the draw of Airbnb versus let's say like a hotel? Yeah, so I I think that's a really good question. And I think it just comes down to the customer segments. I think it's going to be a cheaper. So there's going to be a sub-segment of the market that's just wants the cheapest possible place to stay. And they know that, you know, they can fit a bunch of people into this Airbnb (laughs) and as as many as possible. I'm sure we're going to get to some of these anecdotes later. And then I think the second one is like uniqueness. Like one of Airbnb's differentiators that someone like a Hilton group or intercontinental hotel group could never, um, or it's really hard for them to replicate is the uniqueness like yes like ihg and hilton have like these mega properties in bora bora that are like little villas like over this crystal clear blue waters but mm-hmm. you know that's not accessible for yeah. 99% of people you know but airbnb i think their huge value prop is its uniqueness is accessible i can get a sweet log cabin anywhere like one of my um, really good friends from grad school Regan cara they actually um found a place that is a you can stay in a teepee and it's oh, wow. like beautiful like farm like land um, that you're staying on and it's just a really nice experience. So I think that is where Airbnb really, really excels. It's just the uniqueness. And I think that's something that they're going to have for a while uh, in terms of differentiator. Yeah, I feel like when I first found Airbnb, it felt like I was getting like hotel-esque quality stays or places at better than hotel pricing. But now I feel like when I find a lot of Airbnb places, not that they're all bad, sometimes like you can definitely tell their rental properties or they're not mm-hmm. as upkept or you can tell there's a lot of throughput. I mean, that's part of the draw of Airbnb for the host is to get as many people staying for as many nights at your place. I don't know, maybe I've found places that are lacking in quality, but you're absolutely right that I have found some pretty unique experiences. Recently, I was in LA and I stayed in a place that had a super nice backyard with a hot tub and a nice outdoor fireplace and was able to work remotely from that place. So I definitely think that there's some cool experiences that you can see in Airbnb. Speaking of which, what do you think is like your coolest Airbnb experience? Like which is like the best property you stayed at? It doesn't have to be super nice, but was there anything unique about it or kind of cool? 
Yeah, so I think like two jump to mind. Like the first one is when my fiance and I we went to Hawaii in 2015. We were on the Big Island and we went to this area that was like super super remote and like we got off like a late flight out of the the Hilo airport and we're, we're driving down south on the big island and we're like oh my god like we're on like a dirt road like where is this place and then it's just like really adorable like bungalow it was like someone's actually bought a property it was probably like two acres of property god mm-hmm. knows how much it costs it was a beautiful home and they had a side uh property which we were staying at. And it was just like a one bedroom, like house, like apartment had everything you could ever imagine there. But it was so nice. It was just like, they, like they were super friendly. They had a dog and they had like a papayas and they had breakfast like laid out for That's us. Awesome. And it, like, yeah. even like they had um, some chicken. So they actually had some eggs there for us. Like, so they had yeah. all, like, the literal, like, <laughs> like they went Airbnb, like the, the air bed and breakfast. So that was one of the nicest ones we've stayed at. One of my favorites that we also stayed at was um, we did an Airbnb in Costa Rica and Adrian hated this property and I absolutely loved it. (laughs) um, We were in the rainforest. I mean, Costa Rica is just a giant country or sorry, a giant rainforest of a country, practically the whole country and and beautiful. And the Airbnb we were staying at was like this old wooden, um, it wasn't even old and wooden. It was just like a wooden lodge with like giant glass windows looking directly into the rainforest. And there was a couple like spider webs in the corners that Adrian just like freaked out. And she's like, I can't like stay here for more than one night. But I like loved it. Cause I'm like, this is super unique. But yeah. like Costa Rica is a type of place though. Like if you open up the door, like 30 bugs fly in just because yeah. it's like you're, you're in the rainforest. Right. So that was like one of my favorite experiences or two of my favorite experiences from, from Airbnb, just like super, super unique properties. And actually I'm going to throw a third in there cause everyone loves threes. <laughs> Sorry to take the mic for even longer. <laughs> When I moved to Seattle, I guess the first time, the second time after my internship um, in 2019, I was apartment shopping. And uh, this is one of the reasons why I love Airbnb is because you can stay in a neighborhood and get a feel for it, mm-hmm. a neighborhood before you actually decide to live there. And uh, that's what I did is I, I you know, rented this place in the Queen Anne neighborhood. And it was like a traditional seattle apartment like super modern two stories like and it was so cool just to like be in this like super modern like apartment yeah. loft style and then live and walk around in the, in the city and get you can get to know it so yeah those are some of the experiences that i've had that I've, I've really enjoyed yeah i think my favorite was for my 30th birthday my wife karen found a an airstream airbnb oh, and so it was cool. basically on the beach or pretty close to the beach in half moon bay and it was basically a fenced out section of this person's yard um, (laughs) next to their house but it was like private because we had it was like fenced out but there was a fire pit next to it and a table and the airstream and inside the airstream there was like a stovetop and its own shower and all that stuff so we went and we spent a night there and this was during covid so we bought a like takeaway meal kit from a really good place that makes sukumin ramen which is essentially dipping ramen that we got from a place in san mateo and basically we brought that over and like we made dinner at the Airbnb and we did s'mores and like we hung out by the fire. So it was super, super cool. It was an awesome experience. And I think like it was really good to just kind of disconnect from technology and like get away for a, a whole evening just staying at like this metal tin basically um so it was cool it was like one of the cooler experiences i've had for sure yeah dude and like something like that is like 
that's so one of a kind and unique is like an airstream you know and like s'mores like in a fire like making ramen like you, you can't have that anywhere else like right. I, like even if ihg or hilton or whomever like you know wanted to do that and try to mimic that it'd be really hard for them to do it and it would feel super forced you know imagine yeah. like you went to like a you know a holiday inn and like in like in the basement of it not the basement well maybe it's a basement i don't know it's, <laughs> it's a holiday inn <laughs> i love holiday inns actually um uh, no disrespect if anyone from IHG is listening, <laughs> but imagine like you're in like the basement of a Holiday Inn and you see an Airstream trailer. You're gonna be like, "This is should not, not what I was expecting." Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, I should probably not be staying here. We need to leave. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about how the idea of Airbnb came to be. So in 2007, Brian Chesky and Joe Gebbia, Gebbia, who are both industrial designers and both actually graduates of RISD, which is a Rhode Island School of Design, a very well known industrial design school they created the concept during uh what was an idsa conference and oh no way yeah mike knows idsa very well because we both worked at autodesk but it's essentially an industrial designers um, conference that's very well known and has a couple different geographic legs across the the u.s so there's that's like, so cool there's an idsa north and other areas and things like that so the famous story goes that they were trying to rent out a couple air mattresses in their apartment to make money to help pay for rent. And also knowing that a lot of these folks were coming in town for this IDSA conference and the hotels were saturated and fully booked out. So they they were basically able to kind of charge whatever for these Airbnb mattresses because there was demand and it was kind of part of the allure. They realized that they kind of had something there because, you know, people were actually staying on this very unique experience, which is just an airbed. And in 2008, they launched airbedandbreakfast.com. Also in 2008, they started selling cereal boxes for Obama and McCain because those are the two presidential candidates, the Democratic and Republican presidential candidates. And they designed these special edition boxes for Obama O's and Captain McCain's. <laughs> and I don't know if you knew this, but uh, they sold these boxes for, I think, about $40 a box. And there were these collector items. Their ingenuity there got them into Y Combinator. So I think they got well known. They kind of applied for Y Combinator and they got picked up. They got into the 2009, one of the 2009 cohorts and received $2,000 in funding and were able to kind of, you know, pitch their idea through Y Combinator. Yeah, no, I, I love that story. And like, I, I've, I've listened to a couple other podcasts, like the Tim Ferriss show and uh, hearing the Airbnb stories really interesting how they were just completely out of capital and they're like oh my god like what are we going to do and so they literally yeah. said it's a presidential election like let's sell some cereal so that's how they actually able to stay afloat and yep. like keep keep the lights on but one of my favorite you know anecdotes from the airbnb story is how they think about working backwards from the customer and you know one of the questions that they asked was you know what would a five-star experience be like so they describe and i'm quoting here is like you leave the airport you go to the airbnb your hosts are in the house they let you in this is five star worse than this is if your host is late <laughs> it was just four star mm -hmm. and worse worse than that is if your host never shows up that's one star right but what if we went beyond that like what's a six star service so maybe all of the above where the host is there they let you in and they pick you up at the airport. That's really cool. And then they ask, like, what's seven star? There's a limo waiting for you at the airport. And inside the limo <laughs> are your favorite chips and coconut water. Eight star service is there's a giant parade when you arrive at the airport and you're honored for coming. Um, nine stars, like you step off the plane, there's 5,000 screaming fans like waiting for you to arrive. And then 10 star, you know, you can go all the way up to 30 stars. Um, so I, I love that that approach of like just like, hey, constantly raising the bar. And you can kind of see this teased out with Airbnbs. 
differentiator where you have all these really super unique properties. I think Jeff and I talked to all of them from like, you know, an Airstream in Half Moon Bay all the way to like the big island of Hawaii and getting this like <laughs> basically hand fed breakfast, which is incredible. So <laughs> I, I love the Airbnb story and, and how they approach their their product development. They definitely pitch towards millennials, right? Like this idea of experiences and how everything's unique. And I, I mean, obviously, people are booking Airbnbs just because they could just be a cheap bed for the night. But there's also this allure of, well, I'm the only person that can stay at this place this night and nobody else can stay at this place. And it's unique. Like there's no other place just like this, like the Airstream where I've heard of like tree houses that have some really unique landscape and environments and things like that. So all that stuff is super cool. In 2008, Airbnb expanded to more than just airbeds, surprisingly, and involved <laughs> everything from in-law units to just spare bedrooms to whole houses. And they changed their name from Airbed and Breakfast and shortened it down to what we now know as Airbnb.com. In 2011, they hit their one millionth booking. In 2014, they unveiled their new logo, which is the logo that we know now. And there's a funny little anecdote here, which is apparently some people considered it similar to genitalia and (laughs) they had to run surveys to just confirm or deny. And it sounds like only a small minority thought that their uh, logo is compared to genitalia. I'd never heard of this before. So I actually went back and looked at the Airbnb logo and now I can't unsee it. So maybe if you survey (laughs) me now, I respond a little differently. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and, and just like um, tra- tra- like transitioning from like the logo, talking about some of like how they got to the million bookings. I remember they were doing like a user study, um, and this is like from an interview, and so similar to um, how they did a survey to see if like the logo looked like something or didn't look like something. <laughs> they also reached out to some of their hosts on like, hey, like why were you more successful? And it turns out yeah. the more successful ones were the ones with really good photos. So mm-hmm. Brian actually went around with a camera for like some of the early listings to take photos. He's like, hey, this is going to sound weird, but can I take photos of this mm-hmm. um, to help people just realize that you needed a high quality photo? I-, I love like, you know, sprinkling in those little anecdotes for how they got started. Yeah, for sure. I think it's really important too, because it's not only Airbnb that does this, but you look at Zilio or Trulia, all those photos are professionally done. They're touched up. Mm-hmm. They always look really incredible and you go to the house and you're like, this is not what I saw online. <laughs> and very similarly, that happens with dating apps. So <laughs> it's kind of a similar anecdote. In 2016, they finally became profitable, which is pretty good. I mean, there's still companies today, we talked about Uber, that still have trouble becoming profitable even after <laughs> IPOing. In 2020, during COVID, they laid off about 1,900 employees, which was well documented. It was kind of unfortunate. You know, the travel industry took a big hit overall due to the COVID precautions. And it was really hard for people to kind of stay and stick around. I did notice that because of the COVID precautions, they started to include some of those things in their Airbnb listings. Like some of these people had passed some sort of COVID cleaning training and they had a certificate and they promised to clean daily or regularly to disinfect all the surfaces or common hotspots. So those are things that they kind of shifted in their product to meet the new needs due to COVID-19. In 2020, they finally IPO'd and they had a pretty successful IPO from what I hear. Over the years, there were some regulatory issues, mostly with regards to short-term rentals. I think a lot of these disrupting type companies like Uber and Airbnb will (laughs) tend to have some of these issues, but you know, people definitely find that there's value in it. It's not necessarily that what they do is right or wrong. It's just not necessarily included in the laws at that particular time, but 
a lot of the questions that regulators were asking were, how does this compare to a short-term rental? Should we be treating it differently? How do we make sure that the landlords and then I guess the leasees have different rights? Should we provide rights for them? Is it kind of covered in our policies? Are they considered hotels? Do they need to charge some sort of hotel tax? And hotels are treated differently by law as well. How does it impact fair housing? You know, there have been people complaining about discriminatory practices, not necessarily from Airbnb, but from Airbnb hosts, because they can kind of pick and choose who can come into their their right. houses. And then how does it impact their local housing market? So does it raise prices, lower prices, et cetera? I know you mentioned Hawaii, so I'll bring up Hawaii. It's actually very hard to find an Airbnb in Hawaii because I think technically they're not allowed locally because they have a pretty crazy housing market. The locals have trouble getting into cheap and affordable housing. And so Airbnb doesn't really help the case when more people are coming in and uh, taking up area and spaces that locals could be taking. So that is something to consider that, you know, Airbnb, not that they're doing it on purpose or there aren't, but I guess it, it does impact the local housing market because people are trying to stay at these places. Yeah. And I think um, your anecdote about the tech industry doing this with like Uber and with, you know, named company X that's going into this is when Facebook launched, their motto was move fast and break things. And I remember I was interning in San Francisco in like 2010. And I saw one of those, like someone had stolen one of the Facebook posters of like move fast and break things. And Mm -hmm. I just, I just love that saying, you know, even if it's just like, a little aggressive and kind of like, you know, <laughs> looks like a peek under the hood for what it was like at Facebook um, in 2010. But yeah, I think that's kind of like what you have to do is like sometimes like technology definitely outpaces regulations. So there's going to be this like interesting period where things are just kind of in limbo and we're waiting for things to catch up and, and start regulating this. And I think we're having that right now. It's, you know, 2021. It's it's we're almost in the summer. It's May. And there's been stories of, and just like, just building up pressure on, especially specifically on Airbnb and like how California, the state of California is uh, con- like classifying their their drivers. Are they employees? Are they not? Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to see how this shakes out. And, and same deal for Airbnb is, you know, how will the regulation drop out, not just in the U.S., but um, globally as well, because Airbnb is, is is everywhere. Yeah, it's hard because like marketplaces in general, like they cut across so many different industries. So it's hard to like treat all marketplaces like one similar thing. And then you have to have special considerations because this might be like in the rental space or landlord space or whatever. Mm-hmm. There have been horror stories, of course, of Airbnb you know, get guess. your popcorn ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a couple of titles that I wanted to read here. And basically... Because there's so many different people interacting and it's a marketplace and the quality bar is hard for Airbnb to handle directly. I mean, they only really manage the marketplace itself and they allow the hosts and the guests to operate on that marketplace. There have been situations that are less than ideal. So one title was Airbnb guest finds corpse and garden. So they stayed in Airbnb. They were walking around the property and they found, I think, a, an elderly lady kind of killed over dead in the garden. Oh, Airbnb guests used uh, rental as a brothel. So oh, no. they rented the place and then got some prostitutes. I mean, traditional motels were used for this. So I think it's kind of similar, but it's like, yeah, it's it's yeah, not good. Uh, imagine being the homeowner for that house. You're I know. Just like, you're just like, nope, like yeah. I'm selling this house. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No one can, I There's can never not enough disinfecting yeah, to, to <laughs> handle it. Another title was this host finds apartment vandalized and burglarized. It wasn't just a rental property. It was her actual home. And she kind of left and came back and all of her jewelry was stolen out of safe boxes and stuff like that. So that's always a risk. 
Airbnb host attacks couple in their sleep. So wow. this one was, they actually rented the place out and then snuck into his own home, uh, obviously very easily, and then had <laughs> like, you know, a ski mask and stuff and robbed uh, this couple. Um, and the last one is- That's this so is, messed up. It is that messed is up. wild. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Airbnb, like Uber, is one of those things where over time, they will have a pretty good idea if you're a good or a bad host, but you could take advantage of it probably one time. And so a lot of people take mm -hmm. advantage of it the first time, right? If you get a bad review or they like ban you, then you won't impact anybody again. But it's really hard for Airbnb to catch any of those bad actors on the first offense because they don't know that they're going to be a bad actor on the first offense. And then the last horror story I want to read is this New Year's Eve party got out of hand. What I read in that article was, the Airbnb host was had a guest at the house. The host was still in his own house. So it's not like they were out of the house. And it was New Year's Eve. The guest invited a bunch of people over. But then that list grew larger and larger. And then later on, they found out that this person had posted online that they were hosting a New Year's Eve bash. And they're charging $5 a head to come and crash at this house. So there was about oh, 250 no. people at this person's house. The host had to go and lock themselves into the bedroom and call the cops. Uh, when the cops got there, there was like vomit everywhere, like vomit soaked sheets. Um, the house was completely trashed. And obviously that guy was banned. The guest was banned from Airbnb and probably, you know, put in jail for some time. For but he did make $1,250. So that's <laughs> capitalism at its finest. Hey, I, I mean, he paid for the night. I think what was funny was, I think it said it was a $40 a night stay. So he only paid 40 oh, bucks man. That's uh, awesome. for that stay and then probably did like thousands of dollars worth of damage. I, I can only imagine. I just can't picture being like the 911 operator when you get that call. It's like, hey, I, I have someone over at my house and they just keep inviting more people over. It's like, <laughs> like do you have no control over this, sir? Like, take it out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so after Jeff's anecdotes, we can talk about who Airbnb is for and the actual customers. So, you know, as Jeff and I mentioned, like it's two-sided marketplace. So you have the hosts and you have the guests. So the customer for the host side of the platform is really anyone with excess space. You know, it's gotten really popular in, you know, tourist destinations, be it like locations like Hawaii. I've stayed in some in like the New York City area that were really nice where I was like, it was a basement property. So I, I was totally separated from the main house, but I was able to, um, you know, walk in, into their property and they just had this extra space that they're able to, to capitalize on. Diving into the guest section or sorry, the guest segment for Airbnb, you know, it's really for travelers. So you be it for business or for travels. Personally, when I'm traveling business, I'm much more inclined to stay at a hotel, um, specifically because I can get the points for these <laughs> yeah. for these reward systems. Like be it Hilton, I was IHG for a while, uh, but now I'm a Hilton point <laughs> point member, and I'm super loyal point system. So the hotels are doing something very right with uh, their point system. So I'm actually surprised that Airbnb hasn't launched a point system of their own yet. Um, it's something that I think could be really interesting to help build loyalty to the platform, but maybe they already see that their customers are already loyal to the platform, but that could be a nice hedge against something like uh, the competitors that you'll get to later. And speaking of points, like one of my favorite point optimization websites, which is a whole like rabbit hole that I <laughs> highly recommend anyone with hundreds of hours to dive into. But one of my favorites is the points guy. Um, so he actually recommends 
um, one of his articles is that, you know, you can live full time in Airbnbs and just basically, you know, do monthly rentals and then live month to month in different sections of the of the US. And he has this whole like article written on like the economics of it, how it's actually cheaper than living in a house. I don't know if I quite buy it, but sure, it does buy you a ton of flexibility there. But if we talk about the size and scale of Airbnb and how they've gotten or the size that, that they've gotten to is they have 7 million listings or over 7 million listings in more than 200 countries all over the world. So in terms of the customers that are coming there um, on the guest side, they have 150 million users. A uh, really interesting factoid that stood out to me was that an average of six renters check into an Airbnb property every single second. Jeez. So just a ton of people going through. So they're another one of the companies that have gone beyond the early adopters into just the late adopters curve where it's just widely known by everyone. And it's definitely feasible. Like five years ago, I would never have imagined my parents saying, hey, should we stay at an Airbnb? They'd yeah. be like weirded out completely. <laughs> but now it, the last trip that we went on pre-COVID, of course, was um, they said, hey, check Airbnbs and see if it's uh, you know a cooler location than a hotel and a better price. Yeah. Let's talk about the considerations that they're making whenever they consider a, a new place to stay. So the first competitor is obviously hotels, right? That's the traditional model. I think what you get with a hotel is that you know the quality bar. Like you know exactly what you're getting when you check into a hotel. Like you said, if you're staying at a Hilton, you know what to expect. Those two bottles of water and some Wi-Fi <laughs> as, a, as a Hilton Silver Plus member. And, and so that you always get that when you go to a hotel and you know that it's there and it's available, but it does come at some cost, right? It's usually you're paying for the amenities, you're paying for someone to come and clean up your room. You're paying for the fact that there's a lot of stuff on site, like restaurants and things like that. So that's part of what you're paying for in terms of the overhead of a hotel. And because of that, hotels are typically more expensive, albeit, you know, a higher quality bar on average, and they control that bar. The next competitor is VRBO, which is very, very similar to Airbnb. I think VRBO tends towards longer term rentals sometimes, like month long rentals versus Airbnb, which is usually like single nights or a, a, a couple nights. One competitor I listed on here was a timeshare, which is like <laughs> not exactly the same, but kind of similar in that you own and can trade uh, specific time at a location. So the way that timeshares work is you basically purchase part of a year with, let's say you purchase one week out of 52 weeks of a location within a timeshare system. So basically your apartment or whatever, you can book out for some specific week or time and you own a week. And you can trade that with other timeshare systems. So let's say that you book a timeshare in Hawaii, which I believe is one of the highest, uh, most sought after timeshares. I believe you can trade that for a week or more than a week at any other timeshare across the world. So there's different <laughs> tier systems for timeshares. And so it's a very similar idea, but except for timeshares are kind of a scam. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I only associate timeshares with me getting, my family getting free Disney tickets if my parents spent yeah. hours at a conference just dangling tickets in front of us. <laughs> yeah. You know what? My mom did the same thing. So she would buy like one ticket and because they'd give you another ticket if you spent an hour talking <laughs> with them about timeshares in Florida. And so my mom would do it. And she, she had done it a few times. And I remember every single time she would call my dad and be like, hey, I actually think it's a pretty good deal. <laughs> My dad be like, same, no, same don't do exact it. thing, man. Um, so funny. My wife and I, when we went to Hawaii, we stayed at, um, I think it was a Hilton resort. Hilton or I can't remember who, but basically it was a timeshare that they owned. And um, we stayed in like a two bed suite. It was super nice. It was very well priced, but they priced it such because they ask you in your five day stay, come to this <laughs> like one hour timeshare presentation. 
And so like, yeah, we talked to like an agent, they were asking us some questions and basically going in, we knew we weren't going to get the timeshare. And I think that that poor salesman, like I knew the whole time I was like, I'm not going to get the timeshare. I'm going to be real with you. I'm here. Like I'm here (laughs) listening to you for an hour. I can stay for as long as I need to, but there's no obligations for me. I read the fine print. I'm out of here at the end of an hour. So he's obligated to bring in his supervisor. A supervisor comes around. He chats with me. Hey, how are you? You know, here you are on your honeymoon. Congratulations, blah, blah, blah. And he he just, he literally asked me, is there anything that we can do to convince you otherwise? And I was like, no. He goes, okay, thanks. Like he knew, right? Like he knew when to cut his losses. It's like, let's short circuit this. Like let's get the price tax. (laughs) You can invest or not. Like the, the guy that I was talking to, the salesman I was talking to, the poor guy was like nervous he was sweating. He was in like a Hawaiian shirt, like, cause they made him wear a Hawaiian shirt. And he was telling us how he had like moved from somewhere to become this like timeshare salesman in Hawaii. And I could tell it was like maybe his like second or third career path. And I just, I felt really bad for him because he, he was very new to sales, it seemed like, and wasn't very comfortable in his role and kept trying all these different playbook tactics to try to get me to talk about the timeshare. And I was like, dude, I'm not, you know, I'm just here for the free ride. And then when his boss came over, his boss could tell immediately, like, yeah, no, this guy's not going to buy a timeshare. <laughs> yeah. And then lastly, I think the last competitor is traditional B&Bs. They tend to also have a very unique experience to them and tend to be really cool. I think they're pretty popular in Europe and in some places throughout the, the US before Airbnb became more popular. But yeah, same idea, unique experiences, but typically they're like a small to medium business and they run like, it's kind of like a hotel. They operate multiple rooms instead of just one house. So they're slightly different. Yeah, totally. I I think B&Bs is like, they definitely scratch like the uniqueness factor. Like all the bread and breakfasts I've ever stayed at are like in smaller touristy areas. Um, But we can talk about our thoughts of Airbnb. I think Airbnb for me is going to definitely rate on the higher side. Um, I'm going to say 4.35 out of five. Uh, For me, I think that they have found a really great niche where it's like you can stay in really baller places for a really decent price, which I like. I think things that go against it are some of like the uncertainty for for staying it. I mean, if you're in an area that is like booming and sometimes you'll find someone that doesn't have like they're the price a little bit cheaper they don't have any reviews and it's just, you're kind of sketched out it's like because uh, how do you even get like how, how do you trust someone like, right. if they don't have, have any reviews and it's a bit of a chicken and egg uh type of scenario yeah. i imagine if you're new to the platform so that is something that i don't think they've quite figured out like at least the the initial starting point you know because I, I personally will never stay anywhere <laughs> that hasn't been reviewed before yeah um so i have no idea who these trailblazers are that are the first people to stay in these places i want to know their friends <laughs> exactly i i want to meet them and, and figure out like what makes it um stay i think um you know pricing is really cool when you think about airbnb it's like uh, a little bit less expensive until you see the cleaning fees um that are associated yeah. with it <laughs> um but i think what airbnb has really really nailed is the customer experience and i think it goes back to like brian and company of just like their industrial designer industrial design training to think about the holistic user experience and the customer experience and you know he talks about it all the time and like the five star all the way up to 10 star experience and i didn't finish like the 10 star story because i should have um but what quoting brian is his vision of a 10 star a 10 star stay would be Elon Musk picks you up in a custom Tesla and then takes you to the moon. So that is how I will end my um, 4.35 out of 5 review of Airbnb. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm going to rate mine pretty similarly. I'm going to give it a four and a half. I think that 
Airbnb has definitely met a pretty unique niche in that you can find some really awesome experiences. It does allow you to kind of search for what you're looking for. And the fact that you can find a really cheap room for a night or you can book a whole, I don't know, mansion in Malibu for like a couple thousand dollars a night, right? So there is room to find what you're interested in, what you need. It does seem like Airbnb is focusing more towards the experience side. And they even have a whole line of product now called Airbnb Experiences that for example, you could book it and they teach you how to like make gnocchi, for example, or like cook a steak or like do chef's other things. Kisses. Tons of chef's kisses. You can imagine Elon Musk cooking gnocchi for me and that would be a 10 star uh, experience. Um, <laughs> that would probably be a negative 10 star experience <laughs> with how much time Elon spends working. I doubt he spends much time cooking, That's but true. I don't know. That's true. Yeah. I mean, like overall, I, I do think that Airbnb has an incredible product. I think it's here to stay. I think it's really cool because it's utilizing a bunch of empty spaces that people aren't you know, taking advantage of. I know that for one example, people talk about the fact that the growing population hasn't been stopping. It's slowing down. There's obviously more, more people on the earth today than there's ever been. Uh, but then real estate, land, there's only so much of that and people can only kind of build upwards. So it's good that people that have extra space can start utilizing it by um, having people come stay in their rooms or houses, et cetera, other extra spaces. And it's not just going to waste. It's like real estate investments. Um, totally. I think that the only thing that kind of is a negative drawback for me is it seems like Airbnb cares more about the guests than the host, which as a guest, that's fine for me. I'm not going to be vandalizing anybody's house. So it's totally, (laughs) I'm okay with their policies and most of my hosts have been pretty good. But on the flip side, I can imagine if you are an Airbnb host, it does seem like it might be sketchy to host your house on Airbnb and it's a crapshoot of whether or not that house is going to stay in the same condition over time. I've read horror stories, especially even from those articles that I mentioned earlier, but going into their insurance policy and protecting the host, it seems like it's actually really hard to get a claim to go through. And they chalk a lot of stuff up to this very ambiguous term of normal wear and tear. So because of that, it's really hard, I think, for people to get on Airbnb if it's their primary residence and they probably only put their secondary or rental property up there and it's really difficult from that side of the marketplace to get those people to commit and kind of take that blind leap of faith that this next guest won't completely trash their house. But yeah, 4.5 for me. Love it. Well, those are our thoughts on Airbnb and we'd love to hear about our audience and maybe some of your favorite Airbnb experiences that you've had and if you've stayed in an Airstream as cool as Jeff did. So feel free to share with us what you thought. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Products Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X podcast yeah and if you like the show be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, etc and let us know what products we should review next see you next episode